Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hall, motivational speaker, women's empowerment coach, full-time psychology student, mama four, and military spouse. On this podcast, I share helpful life tips and real stories from inspirational women. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today. Enjoy the episode. Hey guys, today I'm here with Rachel. Rachel Grant is the owner and founder of Rachel Grant Coaching and is a sexual abuse recovery coach. She is also the author of Beyond Surviving, The Final Stage in Recovery from Sexual Abuse, which I'll link up in the show notes for everybody in case they want to grab a copy. She works with survivors of childhood sexual abuse who are beyond sick and tired of feeling broken, unfixable, and burdened by the past. Her program, Beyond Surviving, has been specifically designed to change the way we think about and heal from abuse. Based on her educational training, study of neuroscience, and lessons learned from her own journey, she has successfully used this program since 2007 to help her clients break free from the past and move on with their lives. Rachel holds a master's in counseling psychology. She provides a compassionate and challenging approach for her clients while using coaching instead of therapeutic models. She's also a member of San Francisco Coaches. Thank you, Rachel, for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much. I'm very happy to be here with you today. Really been looking forward um, to connecting. And I'm going to warn everybody, this is going to be a, in case the bio didn't give them a hint, this is going to be a pretty serious topic that we're going to talk about on the podcast. So just for people to be aware in case it brings up anything. You yeah, know, most definitely. Maybe listen to it right before you see your therapist. It <laughs> <laughs> will do some grounding throughout our conversation yeah. today. Little timeouts. I have a, you know, I have a therapy appointment tomorrow, so I'm good here. <laughs> Very convenient. So Perfect, take, take us back because people hear that you're a coach for sexual, uh, childhood sexual abuse. <laughs> Anyways, there's a personal story that goes along with this. And could you share a little bit about that? Maybe not graphic portions, but the general. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So my story really begins when I was five years old and my grandfather came to live with our family. And I was super excited about this, Megan, because my older brother and sister didn't really pay me much attention. They were much older, like nine and 10 years older. (laughs) So I was like this nagging little person, you know, interrupting their their adolescent lives. And um, so I thought, aha, my grandfather, captive audience. (laughs) He's all mine. And he was. I would really race home from school every day and go straight to his room. And we would hang out. We would talk. We would play, color, all that good stuff. And uh, and so my grandfather really became uh, a cornerstone in my life and an anchor, a companion, a friend. Fast forward to 10 years old. We're sitting out on the front porch one day, like we often did, and uh, across from, I grew up in Oklahoma, so imagine, you know, I have about an acre out the back door, and then across from me, I have this big, open, you know, park playland, (laughs) and so we're sitting there on the front porch swing and hanging out talking. I was cuddled up next to him like I always did. He wore this orange fuzzy sweater that I just really loved. Um, for the, you, can't, you all can't see me, but I have red hair. So maybe I was just, you know, simpatico with the, <laughs> <laughs> the sweater. <laughs> so, um, and then 
all of a sudden I felt my grandfather reaching around and touching my breast. I won't go into any more detail than that, but uh, I, I realized in that moment that he was touching me there and I thought, oh, he just doesn't know what he's doing. Like he doesn't realize right. that it's an accident. Like totally yeah. like it's just innocent like oops you know excuse me kind of thing and uh and so i began to shift my body megan but he actually gripped a hold of me tighter mm. and that was when the alarm bells started to kind of go off for me and i didn't know what i was doing at the time i can only look back at it now and understand that i was dissociating mm -hmm. that's exactly what happened i went into that kind of numb floaty not able to be really present space. Um, and then eventually kind of snapped to, and I jumped up and I ran away and ran to my parents' bedroom. And I remember being there in the room. I had um, tucked myself in on the side of, of the bed where there was a gap between the bed and the wall and just kind of trying to be as small as I possibly could. And that just for whatever reason felt like a safe space course I was crying I was upset I was confused I was scared and you know even all of these years later it still amazes me how immediately in a moment of like this we go straight to trying to understand why mm -hmm. what's going on and as children as little people we of course make it all about us and so those thoughts and feelings were immediate I'm bad I've done something wrong why is he dead I'm terrible now I've, you know and the abuse continued for some time and it got worse, but I didn't talk about what was happening to me. I didn't know how to talk about what was happening to me. I didn't even understand it, my role in what was happening. I thought that this was, you know, something I was contributing to or participating in. And I knew it felt bad, but what all I knew about bad stuff when I was a kid was you get in trouble for bad stuff. So right. I don't want to get in trouble. So I'm just going to be quiet. One day, Megan, my mom happened to be walking by the window that looked out onto the porch and she saw my grandfather touching me and she immediately came out the door like a fire, <laughs> like, right? you know, get in here. And uh, of course, as a little person, I thought, oh shit, I am in trouble. Like I am bad here and I am, um, you know, going to be um, in even more trouble than I already feel like I am. Uh, of course, now as an adult, looking back on that, I can see it as her just, you know, getting me away and trying right. to handle the situation. And uh, she and my dad did a great job. They got my grandfather out of the house right away. They attempted to get me to go to counseling, but I was like, F I don't, I curse. I shouldn't. Should, You're should good. No, explicit. Okay. Curse all you want. <laughs> all right. So first that, I was like, happy. I am not talking to anyone about this, right? Are you kidding me? Let alone a male counselor. It was just, you know, all kinds, but they were doing the best they could with, you know, their knowledge. And you know, of course they'd never right. dealt with anything like this before. But ultimately, even though my grandfather was out of the house, which I'm very thankful for, again, because I know having worked with survivors of trauma for going on 12 years now, that that is not always the case, and that adds a whole other layer of healing to do. But I was still burdened by the thoughts and the feelings and everything that had been almost generated and created as a result of this experience. 
And one of the things I talk about with my clients a lot, Megan, is that the trauma and the abuse sucks. Like nobody wants to have that experience, but the actual lasting impact of abuse and trauma is not the act of abuse. It's the everything we come to think and believe and feel as a result of that. And so for me, for the next, basically from 10 until 26, those thoughts and those feelings were just sitting there and were there with me every morning when I got up and I didn't want to get up. I was dreading my life. They were there through the 10 years I spent in an abusive relationship because I had no idea how to set boundaries and didn't feel good enough and didn't feel deserving of anything better. You know, every suicide attempt, every struggle, it's just all right there. So we'll jump, you know, to my mid-20s and I was in a new apartment. I was going through a divorce. Thank goodness. That was a good thing (laughs) in this case. And uh, I was sitting there with just a sleeping bag and a lamp. You know, my life had just been stripped down. And I remember hearing very clearly and very distinctly a voice just saying, Rachel, you have got to get your shit together. Right. And not like tomorrow, like right now, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because otherwise you are just going to spend the rest of your life like this, miserable and feeling broken and feeling like you're just struggling. And I often describe it as like white knuckling it through life. You know, Mm -hmm. you're, you're getting through life. You're doing things. I had all sorts of things that were working in my life, but all of it was a struggle and a fight. So Megan, that's really the moment for me when I said enough is enough. And I decided to go on this journey and became obsessed with trying to understand how do we actually heal the injury of trauma? What do we do about it? What actually works? And so I read everything I could, talked to everyone who I could, studied, did my master's in counseling psychology, studied neuroscience. And that's really when I began to understand that I could take what I was learning and create simple, doable, straightforward strategies that would actually help me heal and guarantee that I wouldn't spend my life in this place of recovery, in this place of surviving. And that's why the program's called Beyond Surviving, because it's all about thinking about the what's next, independent of the fact that you went through trauma, you experienced abuse, what does life actually really have in store for you? And reclaiming all of that through healing that trauma. Right. Yeah. I, and I'm actually glad you came on the podcast because you are the first person I've heard tell their story that said for years it didn't happen. But then when you started to develop a habit, so something similar happened to my daughter um, with my father-in-law. And the reason that so many people believe that it never happened was because for years he didn't do anything to her. But when she started to develop herself, he felt on her. And fortunately for us that she came forward pretty much immediately was able to be stopped before it went further. But I've never heard anybody else have that kind of story. So I, I'm, I'm very thankful that I have heard somebody who's had Mm. that story because now I can reassure her she's not alone. She's not the yeah, only person. definitely not. Because in my case, it happened. I, I mean, I repressed it, so I don't even remember all of what happened. But I know it happened when I was really, really young. So mm-hmm. it was it was well before I developed. But it, I the reason I'm saying this is I want people to know is that there's no specific time when 
this sort of abuse happens. That's it can right. happen at different points in, in childhood. We might think at some point in time our kids are safe, but there's really never a time. And I don't want people to be scared and be like, oh my gosh, my kids are never safe. Like I, I got to worry all the time. But to be diligent and cautious. Yes, 100%. And, and create an open dialogue with your children about, for anybody who's a parent listening, to, to, for, for them to feel comfortable to come forward and have yeah. that conversation. Yeah. But we want to talk, since our audience are not people that are, you know, we're, we're not talking about that. We're talking about people who have to heal from this because it is a healing journey. It does take a lot a lot of work. It's yeah. a lot of work. And you have experienced those thoughts and feelings. So before we go on to what you discovered, share with people some of those thoughts and feelings that are going on with you. Um, you know, before you hit that, that breaking point where that you heard that voice, it's like snap out of it. You got to get your shit together mm -hmm. because somebody may be listening to this and be in that spot where they're having those same thoughts and feelings and, and not sure what to do with them. Absolutely. I think the one of the most dominant thoughts that was there for me on a day to day basis was just very, I say simply, but it's not really simple. You're worthless. Mm -hmm. This was such an underlying, like core belief that drove so much of my experience of myself, the kind of choices that I made, what I put up with in my life, what I felt was available or possible to me. When I was 18, I left Oklahoma. I was going to go to the big city, St. Louis. <laughs> I look at that now, I'm like, well, actually, it's just like a little, a little jump up now that I live in San Francisco, right? Um, but at that time, coming from Bartlesville, Oklahoma, St. Louis felt like this very magical big city place. And within a month of arriving there, my freshman year of college, I met the man who I would spend 10 years with. And, you know, three of those years we were married. And almost immediately in that relationship, I began to recognize where my brokenness was because there were things that he would do early on that were definitely red flags, but I had no capacity. I had no capacity to stand up for myself. And of course it was all couched in things that were actually really good and really positive. I mean, I, I credit him for a lot of the work that I had to do to heal um, on top of the trauma, childhood trauma, but I also credit him for getting me heading in the direction of healing because he saw that brokenness and called it out in me. But I, I remember just the cycle of pain in that relationship where I felt every day that I had to do something better and I had to be better and there was something wrong with me. And it was kind of classic narcissist happenings, relationship stuff happening. My emotions, oh my gosh, Megan, my emotional life, talk about a roller coaster. I don't even know. Some days I look at those days, I'm like, how did I even survive right. all of that? Because it was everything from the deepest, darkest darks to like crazy anger, rage, violent anger, uh, and to temper tantrums, like literally as a 20 something throwing myself on the ground on the street, like in public, <laughs> not even like the privacy of your own home, you know, because I, I had no 
system regulation. Now, I didn't know that at the time, right? I had no capacity for monitoring what was happening for me on a neurological and a nervous system and an emotional level. And so everything was just either like on fire or turned off. Mm -hmm. And it felt so shameful all of that. I mean, the under, the core of all of that was shame because I felt embarrassed about who I was. I felt ashamed of how I behaved. And this, in some ways I felt like a, a, like a, you know, Dr. Jekyll, Mrs. Hyde, because I also knew myself as this compassionate and this caring. And, you know, I was doing great work as an educator and I had all of these great skills and, you know, relationships and friendships that were stable, but then, you know, there would be this switch and it would just feel like it was all falling apart again. Uh, so I felt, you know, exhausted a lot of the time, yeah. <laughs> tired hard as we say in the country <laughs> yeah, no, I know. i'm from upstate new york which you would think is not yes, the country but no, it's country <laughs> very boondocks like more cows yes. than people i tell people that all the time they're like mm -hmm. you must new york you must be from the city i'm like no not even close mm -hmm. like not even like on the realm of city like possibility and and i moved to a city for the first time when i moved down here to norfolk virginia with my husband and it was culture shock. I was like, what is this? What, where did you take me? What is going on here? I have no idea, but <laughs> it is, it's, it's emotionally and it's mentally exhausting because yeah. to carry around all that baggage and all that pain and all that trauma, a, a lot of people just, they don't understand how this can manifest and come out and strange and crazy and unusual ways you're talking about throwing tantrums in the in the street which may not be what other people experience but we definitely see where it manifests in like these ways that you're like what why am i doing this mm -hmm, exactly. why why am i here right now like why do i act like this i don't know why well there is a reason why that's and right back that's right yeah i remember that that real feeling like after these, I would call them episodes, right? I would feel, I would just cry. I would just cry and cry because I knew that's not who I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. I knew that there had to be a way that was better, but I just felt so lost because I didn't know what that was. I didn't know how to access it. I didn't know how to get there. Mm -hmm. And part of my frustration along this journey was, you know, in going to therapy, which I think there's tons of value in therapy. And certainly the therapists that I worked with, many of them were helpful and pointed me in the right direction. But also um, there were times where the messages that I was getting from therapists were actually detrimental and re-traumatizing, such as one therapist who said, in my moment of saying, is this ever going to get any better? <laughs> Is it, you know, am I ever just going to be normal? That's, that's really the question I ask. Am right. I ever just going to be normal? That therapist turned to me and said, no. And I thought that that feels like the wrong answer. Are you but sure? That does feel like the wrong answer. <laughs> with, maybe you should have said with time and healing, yes, you can be normal again. Like that's uh, depressing for somebody to be like, no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I just started to feel like I was, um, I was talking a lot about the trauma and I was talking a lot about my experiences and where I struggled. And yes, I was starting to understand some of the connections like, Oh, because of abuse and trauma, I struggle to trust because of abuse and trauma. I have a hard time with, you know, self-esteem. Um, I have fear of abandonment, all of these things, but 
when I would turn my attention to, okay, great. So I understand that, but what do I do about it? How does it, how do I actually shift it or change it? I kept getting these like deer in the headlights looks. Mm. Now, you know, keep in mind, this was back in, you know, how many ever years ago back in my, so 20 something years ago. So things are changing. Thank goodness. You know, therapists are being better trained in some ways these days. I'm going to school for psychology. (laughs) Yay! Oh my goodness. Good. That's exciting. Yeah. It's my goal to be a licensed psychologist when I grow up. So yeah. Absolutely. And so you will be able to draw on that life experience and, and everything that you've done even before becoming a psychologist to inform um, that work. And, and that's wonderful. But at the time, I was just hitting up against the mm-hmm. same, you know, I would say, what do I do about this? And they would say, well, what do you think would work? And I'm like, dude, exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, when I finally set on this path. I mean, honestly, I was just trying to get my own shit together, Megan. Mm-hmm. I didn't really have a strong intention of doing this as my work. I was going to be a teacher. I mean, I was a teacher and a nanny and I was in the field of childcare and, and loved that. But as I started kind of using myself as a guinea pig and experimenting and trying on, okay, does this work and does that work? Um, I did so very much from the perspective of looking at actual interventions like what is it either that I need to know how to do or I need to let go of doing or what skill or strategy or tool do I need that maybe I missed out on learning because I was Mm -hmm. dealing with so much trauma and so that's why you know in the beyond surviving program regardless of what topic we're exploring yeah we talk about the past but only in so much as it informs what's happening in the present right and then very quickly move on to what are we going to do about that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I, I do think therapy has come a long way. I, I, I'm glad you said that because I do want people to, to realize that. And it's important that we find the tools that work best for us, right? And the people who are experts in that area, because you don't want to go see just the run-of-the-mill therapist That's right. and you have severe sexual abuse in your past, it's going to be really hard. Fortunately for me, I have an amazing therapist. The first one I went and saw, we talked a lot about domestic violence because that's what I was, the the most recent trauma. So I focused on that. Well, then this one I'm seeing now, we get deep into like the, the, you know, rape, sexual abuse, the things that I have been through that we are just swimming in this stuff, but we do exactly what you're talking about where we talk about the past, but only so that we can see the connection to what I'm doing now and how that's affecting me today. And what can I do about it? Like, how can I move forward with it? So I love that you said that because it's very important that people know that is we do need to recognize the past, take ownership of it and understand where the connection from between the past and today. But we also need to know how to move out of that. Because we can't stay there forever. Because if we stay there forever, yeah. we're, we're going to be doing exactly what you're explaining. We're going to be, you know, having these, you know, f- fits of anger and crying and emotions and doing things. I mean, for me, it was numbing. I numbed it with alcohol. I numbed it with mm-hmm. sex. I numbed it with TV, food. I mean, the only right. thing I didn't numb it with was drugs. I mean, because that just never was my jam. But I numbed it with so many things because I couldn't deal with it. So yeah. did you do any numbing when you were in the process as well? Oh, honey. Yes, 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 yes. Oh my gosh. So it's so important. It's actually really so smart of us. 
in a lot of ways. And um, I want to say more about that in just a second, but something you said um, spurred a thought, which is one of the things that I want to mention about, um, about the what do I do about it piece. I also want to give people a lot of permission to not worry about that question at a certain stage in their journey. Mm, good point. Because there is a certain time when you're healing where it's just, I need to get some things said. I need to explore, I need to name, I need to express, and you're not ready for the challenging work. And mm -hmm. that's okay. The, just don't get stuck in the reflecting right. work. Yeah, that's the main idea. But give yourself time and permission to do that. Um, for sure. That's something I talk a little bit when in the, the guide that you can get from my website on the three stages of recovery, which is understanding what's going on at each of these levels and the kind of support that you want to get mm. and the type of um, kind of goals that you have at each of those stages. So, um, yeah, you know, I think for me, certainly as soon as the abuse started, um, food was just an immediate resource for me. Um, man, I mean, I was already a country girl, so food was already plentiful. Right. And, um, <laughs> but you know, I would literally skip school and because I knew I could get my mom to like go buy me chicken nuggets and mm. I would skip school so that I could stay home. I could read, I could eat. I definitely, a way of numbing or escaping for me was definitely into books. Me too. Same. It yeah. was a world that I could just go into and I didn't have to deal with what was going on in reality. Yeah, that's right. And you know, today I love to eat and I love to read books, <laughs> same, same. <laughs> but, but in a healthy way. <laughs> that's right. That's right. They're no longer, you know, in place of, or uh, a supplement to something else. I just enjoy them because I enjoy them. And so we all use things to kind of cope and survive. And I think part of, for me, part of my journey was really finding that place of forgiving myself for some mm. of the things and some of the choices that I made that were in an attempt to either survive or in an attempt to try to get something that I felt that I was missing out on. You know, I, my, my teen years were, I was, um, I don't even like saying I was promiscuous. I just had sex. Right. I, was I, having sex. Saying, I had a lot of sex. Yeah. <laughs> I had a lot of sex, but it, it, I, I had sex from that place of, is this going to finally make me whole? Is this, mm -hmm. will this person finally love me in a way? Or will I finally feel good enough? And, and some of it was just acting out some messaging that I got from my grandfather about being an object and being there just to be used and not having any boundaries and, you know, all of that stuff. And so, you know, I think I, one thing I guess I'd like to just offer for anybody who's listening is, you know, this journey of just being, first of all, being traumatized, dealing with the aftermath of trauma, and then going through the recovery, you know, um, finding a place of compassion for ourselves. Yes. I think it's such a big piece of this journey because we make choices, we do the best we can, whether it's food, drugs, TV, alcohol, men, women, you know, whatever it is. All the things. You know, all the things. Um, in some ways I've, I've come to like really celebrate myself. Mm -hmm. Like I've gotten to that place where I can say, you're a badass. Good for you. Right. Cause you figured it out and you made a way through. Um, and now I can set those things down and I can be present in my life mm -hmm. and I don't have to escape anymore, which I'm so very thankful for. 
Yes. I love that. And I'm, I mean, I'm still working on the escaping thing. I have to be very mindful, right? And catch myself. Like, why am I doing this? Am I doing this because I really want this cookie and I think, oh, it's yummy. Or <laughs> do I really want these five cookies because I don't want to feel whatever is coming up. And yeah. it's the process. I, I love that you pointed that out. And it does take time. And I, I love that you are you know saying like we do have to stay in that place where we're feeling and we're we're working through things and we're going through that and to give ourselves some grace because that's gonna that's a that's gonna take time because mm -hmm. I always tell people it took me 32 years to get here it is not gonna take right. me like five seconds in therapy to be like I'm good I'm whole yep, I'm all done I've been in therapy for like five years and people are like that's kind of extensive I'm like I through a lot of shit okay like yeah it's gonna take some time but i'll tell you the megan today is far surpassed the megan five years ago like yeah. i don't even know who that person is but i love that you pointed out that we can't look at that person and judge and shame and guilt trip mm -hmm. that person and be like how could you do that how could you sleep with all those people how could you you know how could you drink so much and black out all the time like how could you do those things because it's not helping us. We just gotta be no. like, you know what? That's that's what we did to be able to get through what we were feeling, but now we're in a better place. And right. so now that we've talked about your story and shared your story, so people can see you've been through it, okay? You've been through the thick of it, and now you're on the other side. Where can the listeners that are, are hearing this, where, where do they even start? Where, did, mm. where do people start? So, the first thing is to assess where you are. You have to know where you are on the road to know which turn you need to take. Mm -hmm. And so if you pop over to my website, scroll down to the bottom, rachelgrantcoaching.com, you'll see the, the free gift there for the three stages of recovery from abuse. Do that self-assessment. Figure out where you are in that journey. And then you can align your goals and you can align with the kind of support that you need. I think a lot of what happens in the world of healing and recovery is we don't have that clarity of where we are on the road. Mm -hmm. So we walk in to maybe therapy and maybe we're really ready for the what do I do about it. And then right. we waste a lot of time, money, and energy in therapy or with a therapist who isn't ready to take us there or doesn't right. know how. Or maybe we aren't ready for that and we just need to be in acknowledgement and we walk into a solution-focused therapy office and they're going to be about solutions. Right. <laughs> and then we feel pressured and stressed and I can't do it yet and what's wrong with me and then that generates more shame. And that's how sometimes healing and healers can end up re-traumatizing um, survivors yes. of trauma. And so we have to advocate for ourselves. And one of the ways that we can advocate for ourselves is by knowing, am I at the victim stage, which means I'm not ready to talk about it at all, or at least I'm not ready to talk about it in, in person. Maybe I'm only ready to journal about it or talk about it maybe in like online forums. Am I in the survivor stage where I'm ready to acknowledge and talk about what's going on? Or am I into the beyond surviving stage, at least what I call beyond surviving? I'm ready to do something about it. So that's always, to my mind, the first place to start. Once you've completed the survivor stage and you're really up for um, the work of moving through the trauma and releasing, getting complete about the past, you know, I'll define this very quickly for people because um, sometimes people are like, well, what does she really mean by, you know, beyond surviving? What does that really look like, feel like? 
there are there are two sides to the coin here. The first part of it, the first objective is that you feel complete about the past. Mm -hmm. There's this sense of I have this experience in my life and it is integrated and interwoven into the narrative of my story. And I can talk about I was sexually abused by my grandfather. I love peanut butter. I love to read. <laughs> you know? right. It all has the same tone. Yeah. Because, not because I'm minimizing the experience or trying to dismiss mm -hmm. it, but because all of the charge and energy around that experience is gone. Mm -hmm. And that, when we reach that place, that's when we have completed the stage of recovery, recovery. And we are able to then step into life. And life is about growing and transforming and continuing to deepen our understanding about ourselves. But I don't believe that life should be about healing and recovery for our entire lives. And so the second side here is really about life skills and being feeling empowered and having um, the tools in your toolkit that help you live an empowered life. So that's everything from feeling confident to being able to communicate powerfully to knowing how to trust others, how to set boundaries, how to, uh, you know, feel um, compassion, how to regulate your emotions and have that yeah. emotional wellness and balance. Um, and so that's part of the reason why the Beyond Surviving program is a curriculum. Mm -hmm. You know, we start at point A and go to point Z because I do think that we need to take very particular steps um, to maximize healing once we're at a, a particular stage in our journey. Yes. All of my favorite things you're talking about, you time management, <laughs> boundaries, self-care, all of the things that I, 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 all, I truly, things. all those things that I truly believe that are tools, like you said in your toolkit, we all need. And I think it's, it's very important for people to, to, to see what you said about how you could talk about sexual abuse and peanut butter in books and you're not, major emotions are not coming up because that's one of the key things I always tell people when they're talking about something. I'm like, if you are still feeling extreme emotions when you talk about something, there's something there that still needs to be healed Yeah, because we should, I'm not saying that you won't feel emotions attached to these things. I mean, it happened. But if you can't have a conversation without getting choked up with that emotion, there's still something there that needs to be healed and worked through yeah. because we can't, I truly believe we can't fully share until we're working through that or I've gone mm -hmm. through that mm -hmm. because if you're in it, you're in the thick of it, that emotion's still choking you up all the time. We would not be able to have this interview right now. That's like you would, we would not be able to talk about sexual abuse if either you or I could not have this conversation without having like an emotional breakdown in the midst of it. And it's not because yeah. we're emotionless human beings. It is because we've done the work. That's it. Yeah, very well said, Megan. I often um, use the phrase with my clients, proportional response. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so it's like, okay, it's not that we become, we become automatons and that, right. exactly <laughs> said, that we're emotionless. It's that we have proportional emotions. Mm -hmm. And so if I go more deeply into my abuse experience and I pull forward more specifics, then there's going to be a bit more emotion there yeah. because that's human. Mm -hmm. If I were not feeling anything, I would be a robot. But 
I have the capacity to be in that space of emotion without it overwhelming my system. I don't become dysregulated. I don't become overly activated. And therefore, I don't spiral into, you know, anything. Right. And, um, and, you know, cause sometimes people will say, oh, man, you know, something happened today and I got super angry. I guess I'm not healed. No. I guess you're still human. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> but but when that moment happened to you, did your anger send you off into a weekend binge like it mm-hmm. used to because you didn't have any capacity to be with that anger? Or did you feel the anger, name the anger, express the anger, and then move on? Right. right? And so it really is all about learning that balance and learning what it means to have proportional responses to the experiences in our lives. Because, you know, I tell my clients all the time, life keeps happening. Yes, it does. This program is not going to stop life from happening. I'm so sorry. (laughs) But what it is going to do is support you in having resilience and support Mm -hmm. you in feeling empowered to navigate your life and to respond to the situations that come forward. Yes, I think that's so important. And uh, when the whole Brett Brett Kavanaugh thing happened, Mm. I know a lot of people got triggered. I got triggered. And I went to my therapist and I'm like, why am I feeling like this? I thought I did all this healing. And she was like, but you, you like you healed this, this and this, but you haven't fully owned to the fact that you were raped and been able to work through that and heal that. And she's like, so this, like, cause I did the spiral. Like I felt it, but instead of like moving on like normal, I was like in this place of stuckness that I was like, I don't know what's going on here. And that like brought it up. So sometimes I know people who will go 20 years and be like, I I don't think I had anything that bothered me, but then something just triggers something. So anybody listening, if they're feeling, holy crap, I'm triggered, might be time to start working through these things. I wanted to bring that up in case somebody is listening, they've gotten this far and they're like, I, I'm feeling, I'm feeling that spiral going on right now. Mm -hmm. It's time to start working on this and getting the guide that Rachel talked about. But what are a few more things that could help somebody else on this journey before we wrap this up? So to my mind, healthy nervous system regulation is the number one goal. So whatever problems and issues and struggles that we have in our lives, until we get a really good handle on what is happening on a neurological level and a nervous system level, understanding the impact of trauma on that, on our system and understanding what we can do to heal that system. Then a lot of times the other work that people try to take up, you might make some progress, but you won't ultimately really see the shifts and changes that you want to see because your foundation isn't there. Mm. And so what do I mean by, you know, nervous system regulation and healing the brain and all these sorts of things? So um, the first thing to really understand is that when we experience trauma, it's like there is an injury that occurs to the brain and the nervous system. The nervous system there too, um, I won't go into a lot of the details, but basically what we need to know about the nervous system is there's the autonomic, which keeps everything just going, right? And there's a parasympathetic um, nervous Mm -hmm. system. And so this is how our body stays in balance. Imagine it like this is how you, your system creates harmony. Mm-hmm. Things feel in flow. Things feel good. Your your kind of your emotional wellness feels intact. 
And so, and your capacity to be out into the world and navigate your world is, um, is high. Uh, and then on a neurological level, when you're dysregulated, all that really means in my world anyway, is that the amygdala, the, the system that handles our stress response, which is the amygdala thalamus, is out of whack. Mm-hmm. And so it's like the part of your brain that says fight, flight, freeze, it's stuck in the on position. Yeah. So you're walking out in the world and you feel anxious all the time. You feel like you're on guard all the time. You feel worried or maybe you just feel so exhausted and overwhelmed from trying to you know, manage it all that you go into withdrawal and shut down a lot of the time. And so you know, people will come to me and they'll say, Rachel, I really want to have a healthy relationship. I really want to fall in love. I really want to, you know, have that, or I have this career that I really want to start. And I have this vision and this dream. And it just seems like nothing I do, you know, makes a difference. I can't get going on it. And um, sometimes they're surprised. I'll say, all right, great. We'll work on that. We'll get there. I promise. But first, (laughs) but first we're going to do this. Right. And so, for those of you who are listening, there are certainly resources on my website that help with this. Um, My foundation program, the 28 day boot camp for the brain, which is a pay what you can sliding scale program helps with this. But even if you don't access the resources I have ask this question, am I able to manage triggers? How Mm -hmm. often do I feel like I'm in a triggered state? Mm -hmm. And if your answer to the first question is no, and the answer to the second question is a lot, <laughs> then, all the time, yeah, all the yeah. time, then that's, you know, it's good news. It's good mm-hmm. news because now you have a little bit more of a sense of where to put your focus. Look into strategies and tools and resources that are all about healing on a neurological and a nervous system level. Because once you get that foundation in place, you have the foundation and the security that will allow you to tackle everything else. Mm. Shame, anger, forgiveness, communication, connection, intimacy, vulnerability, you know, like the whole kit and caboodle as my mom would have said. (laughs) But, But if you don't have that foundation, then you're going to try to take something on. Your system is going to get activated you're not going to know what to do and how to take care of yourself in that moment. And it's going to create more trauma, Mm -hmm. which is what we're trying to avoid. Yes. And yes. And people don't realize when we say mental health, we're literally talking about the brain, like the brain and your like nervous system is what we're talking about because physical health, they're only focusing on their body. They're not focusing on what's going on up here. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So I'll, I'll teach everyone, if you want, if you like, I can share real quick, uh, like a 30 second strategy for nervous system regulation. Would you? Sounds, would that yeah, that sounds good. Yes. Okay. And then, and then we'll wrap up the podcast. Okay. So this particular strategy is called orienting. And the reason why I like this strategy is because you can use it anytime, anywhere. Nobody will know that you're doing it except you. And it immediately brings the system into a place of kind of calm, relaxation, um, and out of distress. So anytime you notice that you're feeling activated, you're feeling anxious, you're feeling overwhelmed, triggered, use this tool. So the way that this exercise works is you first just notice your breath. 
you don't have to change your breath, but by just stopping and going, okay, I'm breathing. Let me just notice this breath of life that's coming in and out. Okay. And then you begin to let your eyes scan the space. And for those of you who are listening, you can play along right now. You just let your eyes begin to kind of look around the space that you're in. And you're going to do that at whatever pace you just normally look around and scan. But then after just a few seconds of doing that, you're going to slow your gaze almost to like this such a slow steady gaze that your eyes actually begin to stop and when they stop you take in the object that they've landed on and you really let your eyes sink in to that object so it might be noticing the color I was like wow what is that color I've never seen that color before <laughs> it might be noticing the texture like oh look how fuzzy that sweater is just seeing it. It's like allowing your eyes to almost become like a microscope. And so as you look around and you scan and you pause on these objects, let that pausing and sinking in really happen. You might notice that you want to look up. A lot of times we don't look up. So looking into the corners of the room or even down into the corners of the floor, taking in the texture of the floor, as you begin to do this, what, you, what we want you to be experiencing is the relaxation response. So you'll notice that your breathing will become easier. You'll feel more present and more engaged or connected. You might even just notice that like all the tension in your shoulders, right, starts to relax and your body starts to soften. You feel a little bit more at ease. If you have a different experience. If as you're scanning your space you start to actually feel more activated, what I want you to do in that moment is turn your gaze to something very close and very small. So like your palms, like put your hands in front of you and just look into your hands and study your hands. Notice the lines on your hands, the texture of your hands, and make the gaze much tighter and much smaller. And then you can just let that go. And you can do that as many times as you want <laughs> in a day if you need to orient, you know, 15 times. Awesome. Do it. But it's a way of teaching your brain. You're basically helping your brain slow down, quiet all of the activation, and helping to produce those nervous system relaxation responses that help you feel more at ease. Well, thank you for sharing that with us, Rachel. And thank you for coming on the podcast today. Our time is up. It goes by really fast, but this has been absolutely like just wonderful, just a, a wonderful resource for people listening. And I'm going to link up or all the, your links in the show notes so that the people that are listening can connect with you if they want to connect with you and, and learn more about what you do, learn more, more about your programs. But I've absolutely enjoyed this. This has been great. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Oh, Megan, it's been my pleasure. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.